This is Jay every day. I never change. This is Jay every day. Never change. This is Jay. I am a rock representer. Oh, some of the winner. Oh, dead or alive. 24-7-365. Welcome to the Strap It Down Podcast. It's July 28th. We're talking White Sox baseball. This is Suds. I got the Schwab. I got Dave. We got a special guest today, boys. We got Jack Tui in the house. Jack, welcome to the podcast. What's up, my man? Not much. I appreciate you guys having me. Looking forward to talking some trade deadline and what what this team's going to do for the rest of the year. That's what I like to hear, my man. So for the audience out there, Jack Tui and I go way back. Family friends. I, I actually used to babysit Jack back in the day. Gave me my first beer, too. <laughs> yeah, that is true. God. I did. Where was that at? Third and down in Champaign. Oh my God! After right. after Illinois upset number two Michigan State in oh. in Champaign. What a legendary time that was! Yeah, I remember your dad pulling me aside and and telling me to cut you off. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're we're pumped to have you, Jack. We're we're gonna start it off here like we normally do. We're gonna do the weekly recap from this past week. And basically from the last time we chatted, nothing really happened. We're, what are we, Schwabi? We're three back. I think the the Guardians played tonight. We were a game and a half behind them. I don't know what they're doing against Boston tonight, but basically a week goes by, no ground is made. No ground is lost, though. No ground is lost. We're going to talk about that a little bit because a lot of missed opportunities out there and – just to be frank with you guys, I'm not happy. I, 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 you know, I was told to take my blood pressure medication before going into tonight because last night might have been, or I should say yesterday during the day, might have been the worst loss of the season. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just recap the last week. So Friday we lose 8-2. to two. It was Giolito, Quantrill. I, let's just throw this one out the window. We, we basically lost the game in the first two innings because Gio didn't show up. Then we get to Saturday. So Saturday game one. Cueto, Mr. Reliable, goes seven innings. We make the comeback, and then Liam has the rough inning in the ninth. But here's what I want to talk about in this first game, and I want to get the group's thoughts here. Schwabi, I'm going to start with you. Game one, Saturday, lineups come out, and we have no Tim Anderson. It just... It's so hard to deal with because... There needs to be a sense of urgency in the Sox at this point in time because you don't need – you're in a good spot. You need a good second half. You have a you have a good stretch of games coming up where you have an opportunity to have a great stretch, and you need to take every opportunity. And to go out there and to do the typical Tony where my best players are only going to play in one of the two games and Lurdy's going to be in there for every game is just so frustrating because you need you you can't throw games away at this point, because of what you did in the first half. You can't throw games away at this point. So Leary, Leary, I think started at short over TA that game, right? If right. I, if I remember correctly. Yep. So, I, I agree, Schwab. I mean, super frustrating. I, I think what kills me in that game is, it, it ends up being a nail biter down the wire, right? It's we end up losing because we gave up three in the ninth, and you just don't know what happens if. You don't know what happens 
if Tim's in that lineup. I mean, that could easily be an additional run over Leary, and he's not in the lineup. We end up losing that game. So well, then we, I like the, the thing that drove me nuts in that game is like they brought in Eloy to pinch hit for Engel late in that game. If you remember, yep. And Eloy pinched that, pinched hit, and then they took him out and they put Pollock in center. If you're gonna do that, let Timmy come up to bat. Timmy can swing it once in that game, and then be done. I'd rather have Timmy up in that moment than Eloy. Well, and that's you know when when Tony arrests guys, he's he's arresting him for the whole game. I mean, how many times does he arrest a guy and give him a, a pinch hit plate appearances, which is absolutely – because you know how we lost that game? It's actually coming back to me now. Josh Naylor, pinch hit appearance, gets the game-winning hit, which is – I mean, just Tito outmanaging Tony, which is not hard to do. And, and why do you think that we suck against the Guardians? So then that night we're playing the doubleheader, and we got Lance, 30 racks, Lynn pitches his best game of the night. And we end up blowing the lead four to three, or we're up three nothing. We blow the lead four three, and then Pollock gets the the hit to take the lead, probably the biggest hit of the year to win that game. And then Foster closed the door. Tui, what are your thoughts on Saturday night? The way that the White Sox give up the lead and then come back. I mean, you love to see some fighting the boys. Uh... Back in the days with Ricky Renneria, it, the motto was Ricky boys never quit. Ricky's uh, boys don't quit. Exactly. And Tony's boys, I, I don't know. Can we say the same? Uh, I don't think you can. I mean, <laughs> look, I think it was, a, it was a tough first half. And if you look at the second half of last season, we went about 500 against a better schedule. The second half is where the boys need to go on a run. And to see that kind of fight out of them, you know, coming out of the gate, it, especially after a huge second loss in that first game, it's good to see. Yeah, well said. I mean, it was it was a must-win game, no doubt about it. It was an absolute must-win. And I'm not going to lie, when we gave up that lead, I think it was in the seventh, it was things looked bleak. And for us to come back from that, that, that showed a lot of heart, and, and we needed that to get a little bit of the momentum going, which we take into Sunday – and Mush, I saved this one for you. So Sunday, Cease first Bieber, Mr. Shane Bieber, Mr. Washed Up. <laughs> White Sox, three bombs against Bieber. Mush, give me something about the game. Sunday, we win 6-3. to three. I got nothing to talk about this game. I'm just frustrated with where we're at right now. Just to tickle on what Jack said, TA on the bench. We have six series in a row. These guys, should, we should be playing full head of steam until mid-August before we start taking taking days off, having guys putz around. Um, these are pivotal series. To have Bieber come in like that, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent about that about that game as a whole. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point. Like, we hit three bombs against Bieber, and then we go into Colorado and hit no home runs. I mean, where – you think that's like, okay, we're turning around. We got Aloy back. We're going to start hitting some home runs, and we just don't see them pick up off of that just game-changing series that we had where we took the last two games. And I, I don't know. I'm with you, Mush. It's like, where's the urgency? What are we saving What are we saving guys for? <laughs> well, here's, here's something I picked up. This past week, over six games, we stole two bases in six games. How pathetic is that? 
We don't run. We don't hit home runs. Well, that's the problem with the Sox in general. Like, we are a team that's built to hit home runs, and we don't hit home runs. You look at the team, like, we are not an athletic team outside of Luis. So when Luis is on the DL, the ability to manufacture runs based off your legs doesn't really exist. I mean, Lurie runs into outs. Harrison's got decent, is is okay as far as speed goes, but he's, what is he, 32, 34, something like that? He's in the back half. His speed has gone down. Yasmani's the slowest guy in the MLB. Vaughn would be the slowest guy in the MLB if it weren't for Yasmani. Don't worry. Don't worry. Your boy Andy bad 150. Uh, on our 20 at bat. Okay. Let, I, I, let's let's cool it on the Andrew Vaughn criticism. This guy is, yeah. has done everything we've asked him to do. He never played above high A ball. Basically Thank didn't you. play for a full season while he was at the remote site in 2020. And then in the last year and a half, he he started the most games in left field in 2020. Where's where's well, he going? Then he he should be sitting out, not Tim Anderson. Bring him off the bench. Well, he did sit out the next. He sat out the sat out the next day. He had twenty. He had the third most at bats in the last seven games in six last six games with three hits and one RBI. But he's one of the best bats in the lineup. How do you not well, have that's him? That's fine. Him? Bring him off the bench. To hit, no, 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 no. We're not. We're not bringing Andy off the bench. It, Andy is getting zero blame for this debacle that's been happening. Did you guys see the quote, by the way, from Tony of why? I think it was <laughs> was it Saturday night or Sunday where Andy he he gave Andy the day of rest, and his quote was he was he's been running too much these last couple of days, so he he needs a day off. It's like. What are we talking about, dude? He, the guy, legitimately just had a week off from the All Star break. Now you saying, now you're saying that he ran too much. He had like, that's the problem is that there isn't because, and we talked about this, right? The roster construction is is so poor, where you have all these guys who are corner outfielders, first baseman, DHs, and there isn't enough like planning to get them off their feet in a, like a productive manner so that you can maximize all of those guys play appearances. No, Schwab, I, I, and I think that I think what we have to remember is is what this team's built for, right? And and you mentioned you just mentioned it earlier is in order to win baseball games this this team needs to hit and pitch. We're not going to win any games on the bases. We're not going to steal any games in the field. We need to hit and score runs. And pitch, I saw. Bombs. I saw a stat the other day that over seventy percent of White Sox hits are singles. We're not going to win very that, many baseball games like that. Don't steal my thunder, Jack, because that's my firing squad. So slow your roll. We're going to get there. I like that a lot. Okay, so Abreu struck out thirty percent of the times the last seven games. What mush? We're going after Andy, and we're going after Jose. What, what are <laughs> no, we I'm, doing? I'm going- I'm going after the team collectively. Oh, I, dude, you're literally the two guys that like I would not go after. Maybe him and, and Luis. I, so, dude, we're talking about Andy Vaughn like, needs to get off his feet. Give me a break. I, I was watching the game running on my treadmill. I legitimately ran further than Vaughn has probably in the last week. And we got to give the get, guy a day off. Give me this, It's insane, dude. Hey, I, here's my question. Did you run the next day on the treadmill? I mean, it was a little sore. Exactly. (laughs) 
All right. So we got wait, wait, wait. So let's keep moving on. We're gonna get to the firing squad. Mush, I'll give you I'll give you the floor for that because I know you're dying to speak. Wait, but I keep cutting I, off. I think there's two more things that we have to talk about for weekly recap, and that's a, Luis Roberts started his rehab stint as of today. Let's hope that goes well and he's back huge, this weekend. Huge. And B, Reynaldo Lopez to the to the IL. Where did that come from? I hadn't, didn't even hear anything about that. I was wondering why he didn't close the game last night if Hendricks apparently couldn't go. But, I mean. He was tired. That's, I mean, is, is that classic White Sox, though? It's just like the... Nobody says anything, and all of a sudden he goes on the IL. It's the revolving I mean, door. So, so Robert, I agree, Jack. Huge news. Why he's going to Charlotte? Maybe we got to waste a couple of his bombs in Charlotte. That's to be it. fair, he isn't he isn't available to be cleared until today, I believe. Okay, so, so my counter to you, Schwabi, is you think Tony's going to play him on Friday after traveling from Charlotte to Chicago? Traveling's tough, apparently. Oh, Tim, Tim yeah, had to tomorrow. travel to L.A. and travel he, back. There's no he chance he plays tomorrow. No chance. Which, yeah. that's or what today, pisses me Friday. off. Like, if, 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 he's in the lineup, if he's in the lineup tomorrow, fine. But if he's not in the lineup, then yeah, he, that's a, someone dropped the ball. He either gets off the DL or IL now uh, tomorrow. or I forget if it's, he's available to be activated tomorrow or it's an IL stint through Friday. But I think, yeah. It's but Friday or Saturday right. to be his first day up. Poss- possible, possible to be up. Okay, so Tuesday. So I just want to finish the weekly recap real quick. Tuesday, Kopech, he he pitched great in Colorado. We went two to one. Marquez. I, I don't want to talk about the offense because we'll get into it, which is just disgusting. We went two to one. <laughs> Liam comes in. He almost he gives up the home run, but he closes the door. The defense was unbelievable in that game. Tony, let's give a little credit to Tony where credit's due. He pulled out Kopech at the right time. Okay, that was a tough decision. He was at 89 pitches. Tony made the right move. I'm not saying that he's managed good this year. He made a good decision in that game. He won us the game, in my opinion, on Tuesday. Jay Kuda, our guy, tweeted, 40 times AL pitchers have come into Colorado and given up two runs or less. Or, I'm sorry, at AL hitters and we scored two runs or less. And their teams are two and forty in those games. Only the only two wins are from the Chicago White Sox, one time in two thousand five, and the other time on Tuesday. Which I don't know how we win scoring two runs in Colorado. We get to Wednesday. Giolito starts shaky. Gets back on track a little bit. I think that, I think that was he gutted it out. That was a good outing. Same deal. We we kind of we come back. We fight back. We take the lead five to three, and then. Schwabi, I've been saving this one for you. Jose Ruiz, seventh inning with a 5-3 lead. After Jose uh, screwed up the game two of the doubleheader, right? Yep. He gave three runs in game two of the we're, doubleheader. We're up 3 nothing To let that thing, uh, you know, to lose the lead in there. I just, I don't understand how Jose Ruiz is in high leverage situation, right? You know, we talked about Reynaldo briefly, how he's on the IL now. And clearly he was unavailable for Colorado. But Jose Ruiz is, in my opinion, the least dependable reliever in the pen. He is a guy who I'm only pitching up seven or down four. Right? Like, the game has to be over for Jose Ruiz to go in there. He is the least dependable arm in the pen. He had a brief stretch in the beginning of the year where he was pitching well. 
but he's the least dependable arm. That's not a guy you can have pitch anything even remotely close to a high leverage inning. Mush, what's who your calls, question? Who calls the shots, Ethan Katz or Tony Larusa? I think it's probably a combo, but I think Tony ultimately makes the. Ethan tells him who's available that day, but Tony's probably making the call as far as who's going in. Yeah, I would think Tony's got the ultimate say. Yeah, to I, me, the whole thing seems unorganized. It's a clusterfuck every game. It's like it's like a guessing game. Yeah, I, I don't know how Jose Ruiz is your decision in in that scenario because he should never one, he should never be your decision. Like again, yeah. he he is. He is the mop-up guy who isn't – but he, he's not stretched out enough or doesn't have the ability to pitch multiple innings. Like, my mop-up guy should be able to throw three innings. Where if we're getting killed, if we're down six in the third inning, I want that pitcher to go in and throw three, four innings. Jose, Jose Ruiz is not a high-leverage reliever. So why – I think there's two options in that situation. I think – one is Jimmy Lambert, who's been a stud, and Jimmy came in for Kelly when he got hurt and threw one pitch and got out of the inning. Why Why not? The night before, he threw two pitches. So why not pull Jimmy out of the pen for the seventh? And then I think option two is Tanner Banks. Well, I mean, Tanner Banks has been better, better than Ruiz. I mean, obviously, it's not, like, ideal to have Tanner in that situation, but, like, at, both are better than Ruiz. Jack, what are your thoughts? I mean, we can get more into this during Hall of Fame baseball player decision, Hall of Fame baseball decisions. But I mean, like Schwab said, it's it's a guessing game every night. And you know what? If if we trusted our manager, maybe we wouldn't be second guessing every decision. But Tony has given us no reason to put trust in him, and therefore we're questioning every decision. You know, what happens What happens if a manager makes four, five, six great decisions in a row where they work out and or, or or at least logical decisions driven by data, driven by the analytics where it makes sense and maybe they don't work out, but make a good decision and then maybe we won't question when you have a feeling that XYZ guy, go you, you drop them in there. So I think that's a really strong point and that's something that I've talked about on this pod and, and you see a lot of people talk about on Twitter. Right when Tony makes a a decision that is driven by analytics or makes sense, he isn't, and it and it doesn't work. He isn't killed on social media because that was the that was the the correct decision, right? I talk about you know I mentioned process over result constantly, right? If he goes through the right process and the move doesn't work, that's fine. Like if you're making a decision that in like you're down two. And Andy Vaughn's on the bench and Lurie's up and you decide to pinch hit Lurie and you put in Vaughn and Vaughn strikes out, right? The process in your thinking there is correct. You're putting in one of your better hitters for one of your weakest hitters. If Vaughn doesn't deliver, so be it. The problem is Tony doesn't use the process. So we can't trust the process. There's no process to trust because it's it's non-existent. So you're saying that there, that's the process is, is putting Andrew Vaughn to pinch hit for Lurie? Yeah. Here, let, let me explain to you the process. You're sitting at the blackjack table, <laughs> and we've talked about this a lot. You're sitting at the blackjack table, and the dealer has a 10 up, and you have 14. So what do you do? You hit every time because the dealer has a 10 up, and your best odds say you need to hit your 14. 
what Tony does is, oh, it's Tuesday and I slept in today, so I think I'm going to stay. Oh, or, you know, I've had a few drinks. Maybe, you know, I'm feeling aggressive. I'm going to hit. The process says you do the same thing every time and the odds will be in your favor. And Tony does not do that. Tony just has an inkling. He says, you know what? I'm a Hall of Fame baseball person and I'm smarter than all of you. And you know what? That might have worked in the 80s when data wasn't in your face and nobody knew what a good decision is, but that's not going to work in 2022. It's perfectly said. That just goes back to goes back to the original comments of the game has evolved and passed Tony by, which we've been saying. Which since you said, yeah, one. and you, I, I totally agree. Absolutely. All right, so we got a, we got a lot to talk about. We got to move on. We're doing the firing squad, gentlemen. I know everyone's pumped for this one. I know I am. We're going to go around the horn, and there's going to be – remember, we're not happy. We had the worst loss of the season yesterday. We had, we had an opportunity to get within two, which if – think about it. That's a 10-minute swing of what happened yesterday to being in the best position that this podcast has ever had for the White Sox. I mean, I'll take three, I guess. But firing squad, we're going around the horn. Everyone's selecting one player, coach, GM – Assistant GM, Whoever you owner, want. we're going around the horn. Jack, I'm starting with you. Who do you got? Lurie fucking Garcia. <laughs> I mean, get this guy out of Chicago. I think the last game I went to, I almost got kicked out because I was yelling, can't you retire already? Um, so, so those that when I listened to the score that one day and everyone was booing Leary, that was because of you. Uh, absolutely. You were, you were, uh, there is no one... Every time he walks out of the dugout, I say something. I mean, our, you know where our seats are. We're pretty close, and I have, an, I have an idea that they might be able to hear me, so I make sure if there's that chance, they do. And I mean, I'm just done seeing choppers to the right side of the infield. Oh, I mean, man, the guy didn't the hit it past the pitcher's mound last night, yesterday. Well, he, got on, he got on and, base because he had the but, but he got, got picked off twice. a third. <laughs> so he he gets on base twice without even hitting it off the past the pitcher's mound. Like, I mean, <laughs> yes. Did uh, a, as the twenty J- sixth or twenty seventh man on your roster, sure. But to give the guy a three year, sixteen million dollar extension was an absolute joke. And uh, you might have to blame Rick. You you may have to, but. For a World Series team, is he a valuable piece? Yes. I mean, we saw that in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Maybe he he can do a lot of things for you, but why he plays every day or five of seven games a week, I have no clue. I, I haven't seen the number of games played by each player on the roster this year, but he's got to be in the top five, and that's just yeah. unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, that that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's the biggest thing with Lurie. Like, the the COVID year, the real short year, when he got, when they put him into right field for Mazzara, from the playoffs, right? Everyone was ecstatic. Lurie's back. We're putting Lurie in the outfield. This is great. Lurie had, had the chance to be a guy who's going to be loved by Chicago. And really, to no fault of his own, he is now vilified on the south side, in large part to Tony's, just refusal to play anyone else. It's the usage. And if he was used the right way, maybe I wouldn't be saying this. Probably wouldn't. But 
you can't win baseball games when he's in the lineup 85% of the time. You just can't. What do you think, Mush? No, I agree. I know. I mean, we've talked about this. There's two or three guys that the combination of them in the bottom of the lineup, we're never going to be able to, to you know, keep up with the big dogs in the league. And Lurie is one of those cancers, um, along with a couple other guys. We can go on forever talking about that. Yeah, I, I think what just kills us is what you said, Jack. I mean, the three-year deal, you can't – I mean, we would all cut him. We, we're, you're firing him right now, right? I mean, that's what needs to happen. I'm an accountant. Rick is not. He doesn't know what a sunk cost is, so I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to move on. Mush. Real, real quick, Lurie is sixth in games played and sixth oh. in a, in plate appearances. Jack called it. I mean, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. It's as simple as that. The guy, the guy has an OPS of 503. He he's in the top three worst players in baseball. I I don't care if your number w- with you call it two hundred and fifty plate appearances now that guys are supposed to have. I mean two hundred fifty plate appearances halfway through the season that's a good amount. He's got to be bottom three, bottom five in baseball. Period. Right, Lurie, real quick: seven doubles, three homers, seventeen <laughs> oh ribbies, God. one stolen base, seven walks. 55 strikeouts. Oh, seven walks. 206 batting average, 231 on base, 272 slugging. Two, 231 on base. I mean, can we get Carlos Zambrano to hit for him? I'm not, it's like the guy is, he's a pitcher. He's a pitcher hitting. Mush, firing squad. Who are you taking out? I'm just going to send Lucas Giolito packing. Um, we can dive into that when we talk a little bit about our trade deadline deals. Um, there's just something going on with the guy. Is the movement on his fastball is not there anymore? Um, you know, his, his walks haven't been horrible. Uh, he's averaging about two to three every six innings, but there's just something there. It's not clicking. We just need to send him packing. Um, you know, he, he's supposed to be our, our true one right now. We talked about this. Um, and I, I think I think he's just letting us down, and I think we need we need to figure out um, who we could put or bring in, I should say, to light light a fire a fire under our pitching staff. Good for Mush not going for the low hanging fruit. I, I got to give you props there, Schwabi. What are your thoughts? On Lucas or the low hanging fruit that I want to go after? No, 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 on Lucas. Uh, you know, Lucas has been very up and down. I don't think that's any. I don't think it's any. You know. Really up for debate. Um, the Colorado outing, he struggled at the beginning, picked up a little bit. His outing right after the break was pretty rough. Um, Lucas, Lucas needs to be better. I mean, the the reality of it is for the Sox to, re, to be the team that we all want and expect them to be, Lucas has to deliver, and he, he hasn't to this point. Tui, you got the floor for Lucas. So I'll, I'll save most of what I have to say for uh, trade deadline talk, but I love this call. I mean – up and down, you know, really his entire career with the Sox. And, you know, with a year and a half left on his contract, I, I like I like the point. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's it's a interesting thing that you bring up, Dave. I, I would say he battled for sure in Colorado because he had the same start that he had in Cleveland, and that showed a lot of toughness. 
But you just need more out of them, right? Like you just you need more, and I think it starts with fastball command. Because if he doesn't locate the fastball, then they sit on his off speed, and we we've seen how that's turned out for Lucas. Yeah, so the movement's we'll just not him. there. Yeah, we'll get into him a little more. Schwabi firing squad. Well, I have zero issue taking the low hanging fruit. Give me my boy Tony Larusa. <laughs> oh man! Uh, I mean, again, like you want to, you give him credit for pulling Kopech, right? I, that was a dude. That I mean, that was a good move. Okay, here's gonna be my argument. Tony has been doing this all year. That's Tony's. We have moored starters start an inning, and immediately, immediately upon giving up a hit, Tony pulls them. This has been a common thing Tony does. Like this is nothing new. This is Tony's thing. If he has, if there's one thing Tony's done this year consistently, is he consistently trots a starter out there for another inning. And upon giving up a first hit, Tony pulls. I, I think it's. I would say it's more than one hit, though. I think he leaves him out too long. I don't think it's been one hit and out. I'm gonna tell you, it may be, but I'm gonna they say there's a bunch of times there's been one hit, and the first time he gives a base runner, Tony goes out there, takes his long stroll to the wall, to <laughs> grow, long stroll to the mound. <laughs> Three minutes later, Tony taps the wrist, and we get a reliever trying out there, and it's just it, like his, like so like. Oh, Tony did something good this week. This is Tony. I mean, like, I have a hard time giving him credit for this. His bullpen usage, his starting lineup decisions have been a a, Right. It's a a disaster. disaster. And that's why I'm asking about the whole Ethan Katz. Who's calling the shots with the bullpen? Because if if they're playing pinky, you know, hitted pat in, in the dugout, it's just like two broads. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you can just tell I mean, it's a clusterfuck. I, I think it's. I think Tony's ultimately making those decisions, right? I mean, Tony may say, you know, I, I'm I'm assuming that there's kind of like a hierarchy in in the bullpen, right? Like this is our sixth inning guy, this is our seventh inning guy, this is our eighth, you know, ninth, and we get to the sixth inning, and it's all right. Raylo's not available. Jose Ruiz is the next guy on the board. Ethan. Call the bullpen, tell them to get Jose up. Um, because I mean that that has been fairly standard for the most part. When you know when they give off days to people and then everybody's out and that's a whole another discussion. Um, but there are just so many. My issue is even the little things. It's all the little things. He I think. like he blows big decisions. Is that a he song? blows little decisions. Can I give an example? Sorry to interrupt you. All the small things. Here's a here's a little small here's thing. a little That's thing. A... <laughs> um, Wednesday's game, who started in center field over Adam Angle in the largest outfield oh. in the major league. Larry. Larry over Adam Angle. Did you guys see is the second or is the first inning when Iglesias hit that double and Leary fielded that ball like he was playing second base and he like lobbed it in and then Crone scored from first. It's just like a, and then it does – sorry, I interrupt you. Go back, Schwab. Uh, there's just no consistency in his thinking, right? I mean, like, we go back I, – I continue to go back to the process. One day, with Luis out, Pollock's been our backup center fielder some days. Some days it's been Lurie. Like, I, like so let's try to try out the – I kind of want to – I want to interrupt you real quick. Possible. And I want to jump back to Jack's comment a couple minutes ago with, with Larry Garcia – you know, we have Leary, Harrison, Pollock, and Adam Engel. 
in my eyes, all four of those guys are the same player. They exactly. The, so when, when he's trying to sub and play the hot hand with the same player, you're never going to win. You want to talk about process. You want to talk about numbers and, and just doing the right thing. You're never going to, you're never going to hit the bullseye playing the same guy trying to guess. Wait, wait, wait. I, when I said exactly, I want to take that back. Lurie Garcia and Adam Pollock. Larry Garcia and Josh AJ Harrison are here. not even <laughs> close, or AJ Pollock, I, I I apologize, are not even close to the same player. Josh Harrison yeah, they're, has they're been nailed since though. June. AJ Pollock, all of all of AJ Pollock's RBIs, he may not have a lot of them, but they all come in high or medium leverage situations. A, AJ, while not being terribly consistent, has had some really strong stretches. Yeah, absolutely. Where he's been a vital part of the lineup. But none of those guys are consistent. That's the problem. You don't you don't have any guarantee. You don't have any rock solid starts. Even though they're the ninth hitter, you know this guy's going to be good here, and and we won't have to worry about him. Mush, it, it sounds like you want to fire Rick Hunt based on your comments. They're all the same. If player. I had an opportunity to talk about everyone I wanted to fire, we <laughs> I'd be wearing a Northside Cup shirt. We 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 would have a pod running for you know a couple of days. All right, gentlemen. Can I? Can we? Can we? Yeah, I shot the low hanging fruit. It's all you, there, guy. I mean, this is low hanging fruit as well. My firing squad, and I'm not gonna go after Rick. I I want to. I want to go after Rick, but I'm not going to. Frank Menachino. The guy. How does the guy have a job right now? I mean, if especially if you don't want to, you know, you got to shake things up, but you don't want to do too much where it's like, all right, I, I don't want to like change everything in the clubhouse. Like Frank Menachino is like the definition of low hanging fruit. So let's go through <laughs> some stuff with Frank Menachino. The White Sox go into Colorado. They play two games. How many home runs did we hit in Colorado? Gentlemen, zero home runs. I mean, that, that should get you fired right there. How, how do you get out of Colorado not getting fired, hitting zero home runs? So, Jack, you alluded to this, and I said I was going to touch on it. Guess who, and I'm going to take a poll out of you guys right now. Batting average in Major League Baseball. Where do the White Sox rank in batting average? I'm going to guess 22nd. Jack? I, I would say top, uh, I would say 6. Schwab? 10. The White Sox rank 3rd in batting average yeah. in Major League Baseball. Where do you guys think the White Sox rank in base on balls? 12. Letter hat. 27th. The White Sox rank dead last. The White Sox rank dead last in base on balls in baseball. Where do you think the White Sox rank in home runs? Dead last. Middle of the pack. I believe they're third. From, I believe I heard this. I believe they're third from last. Ding, 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 Schwabby. Third to last. Where do you think the White Sox rank in singles? In Major League Baseball. First. Yeah, I would say top three. Schwab. Well, Dave said top three. Tui said two. I'll take two. Or Tui said one. I'll take two just to be different. First, ding, 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 Jack Tui. First in Major League Baseball on singles. We're, 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 you don't have to be good at math. Yeah, but we... What, what, is, what does that thing. equation solve? But one we can't steal. Offense. We can't advance in the bases. I, I don't give a shit about steals. I care about home runs. We can't advance the bases. Walks. Two things I care about. I care about two things, Mush. 
two things. I care about home runs. I care about walks. And we suck at both. I want Frank Manichino so far from Chicago that he can't even find it on the goddamn map. That's what I want. Send him to the sun. Who's our our AAA hitting hitting coach? Oh, you're going to hear about it. Get him in. Get him in a White Sox uniform right now, because every time somebody goes to Charlotte, they come up and they're they're the best hitter on the White Sox. The only reason why the only reason why I like Menachino is because I like the way it rolls off your tongue. Say his name again. <laughs> I, we don't need to talk about it anymore. I mean, I just I just crucified Frank Menachino, and it was the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. So we're gonna move on. Wait, and but but shut up. Oh, hold on, Mush, Mush. You, you know who the AAA hitting coach is? Who? Chris Johnson. No way. The Chris Johnson? The Chris what, what's Johnson. The, what's the CJ2K. What's the history behind Chris Johnson? Some. Do you not remember the running back from the CJ, Titans? CJ, oh, CJ, I, I, I thought you were talking about baseball. I, I didn't transit. That wasn't the played, first thing that Chris Johnson played catcher and first in outfield in the White Sox. I'm pretty sure Mush had CJ2K on his fantasy team and still didn't win the league somehow. But I digress. Wait, I, I got one more stat that uh, that right, we Jack, brought up well, earlier. Shout out our shout out again to our guy Jay Cutta. The guy just shits know, out great stud. stats. But seventy percent of White Sox hits have been singles. This so team bad. is built to hit, and we're a we're a contact team basically. Yeah, I mean how how does Menachino have a job? Well, like that that's the problem, right? Like we saw with the Guardians. Well, they had a lot of guys who were, you know, who aren't power hitters. They were aggressive taking extra bases. And in general, they are aggressive in the way they run the bases, where it wasn't even so much the Sox. I mean, the Sox lack of defensive intensity was impressive, but they were running the bases (laughs) hard, while the Sox oftentimes, A, our guys are all told not to run because they, they can't get hurt. And then B, like we just aren't athletic to begin with. That that's a great point, Schwab, because we we have the slowest team in the league, and so the Guardians the Guardians hit a lot of singles. They're a great contact team, but they're not afraid to take a walk. So that's the two big differences. If that that approach can work, if you can take a walk, and if you're willing to take an extra base, but you can't hit singles. You if you hit if you lead the league in singles, you certainly can't be last in walks, and you can't be aggressive on the and. Just and not be conservative. Yeah, better. exactly. Right. So you have to be athletic. If you're going to be a singles hitting team, you have to take a lot of walks. And you have to be you have to be an athletic team. Exactly. Which is right. socks or not? We're going to transition here. We're doing the hot stove. When's the trade deadline? I think it's Tuesday. Is that right? August third at twelve p.m. Eastern. Okay, so we got a few days well, left. Wednesday. Wednesday, trade deadline. There hasn't much been much action. I know that the Yanks got Ben Attendee. Yesterday, Naquin, apparently, from reports from the Schwab, just got traded to the Mets. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go around the horn, and we're going to start with Tui. He's going he's gonna to prop us up a little bit. He's going he's gonna to say which direction we could go. We're going to comment on it, and then we're going to talk some trades, some possible trade possibilities. Tui, I'm passing it to you. What do you got for me? So I, I apologize. It's... Tuesday, August 2nd at 6 p.m. Eastern is the trade deadline. All but, right, so even shorter either even shorter timeline than we said. Yeah, so l- let's just talk about where the White Sox are at. I mean, based on where you think they are at, 
we have a few different options of what we can do. In my opinion, with the makeup of this baseball team, and let's let's forget about bullpen for a second. We've had a lot of injuries to the bullpen. We're going to have to replenish. That's obvious. But let's talk about the makeup of this lineup and this pitching staff. I don't think this lineup has the makeup to be a World Series winner as it stands right now. And so then you have to decide what you want to do. We got some guys in the minors that fill some needs that we have. Colson Montgomery, 2025 ETA, probably slides into shortstop TA later in his career, assuming we give him an extension, which is a question mark right now because I think he's going to ask for the moon given how underpaid he is currently, even though at the time he took the contract, it was a good one. Um, and then Oscar Colas, who can slot into a corner outfield spot, ETA 2024 or 2023. So with that said, the Sox can make two decisions. Do they try to revamp this entire lineup and remake the makeup of the team? And I think there's one trade that can absolutely accomplish that. Or two, do you do what the Braves did at the last deadline, sign a bunch of role players, hope the team gets healthy, gets hot, and you make a run in the playoffs. So let's start with option one. You revamp the team, and you still try to make a run this year. The answer is Juan Soto. We can get into that in a second, but he's the only guy that can accomplish that, unless you blow the whole thing up. Option two is role players, and... I'd like to get your your guys' opinions on what what trades you think that are out there that can make us better. The one thing that I did hear today is that it looks like the Giants are going to be sellers. I saw that. I think yeah. bringing Radone and Jock Peterson back back to Chicago would make the city excited, bring some energy to this baseball team. You couple that with a new manager and hitting coach, I think you got you got a chance in in, in October. <laughs> you give me a new hitting coach and manager, and I'll be ecstatic. With Jack and Carlos back, and I said it when the I said it when the Sox play the Giants. Uh, Jack Peterson would fit perfectly with the White Sox the way he plays defense. So, to we set the stage, Mush, what route do you go? Um, you know, I see the split. I like where Jack's mind's at. Um, I'm a kind of that shitter get off the pot mentality right now. Um, <laughs> You know, as much as I would hate to throw in the towel, I feel like going after somebody like Carlos Rodon, like Jack mentioned, um, would be a nice fit and, and would kind of re-solidify us for 23, 24, 25. Um, we still have a lot of youth in, in the bats. Um, I do like what the Cubs have to offer us as far as trading potential. And I know you, Nicky Legs, I know you don't like to hear that, but I feel like as Jack mentioned, filling a couple of those holes in our lineup with, with the Kyle Hendricks in addition to that, with the Nico Horner, um, Ian Happ as an option. Um, I mean, Morrell, he's been playing well. I don't think I don't think they'll deal him. But I feel like they have a lot of – Cubs don't have any superstars, but they have a lot of middle of the lineup, nice defensive players that will complement the bats that we have already. So I see the Cubs being a nice option as well on, on the trading deadline. Um but it's either that or blow up. Do you think they'll ever do a deal? deal? 
Do you think they'll ever do a deal with us after they see what CSIS turned into? Well, considering <laughs> they already they gave away uh, Gleyber Torres, uh, Eloy Jimenez. Well, we did, we uh, had the Kimbrough deal last year. There's yeah, I mean the Cubs are known to tank, to give away some good talent, but as far as you know, we have to trade into the NL because there's two things that are going to happen. We blow up, we trade our young talent, and or we actually trade the NL got and trade the NL and bring in some talent from them. But we can't trade to anyone in the AL. I mean, the Yankees are going to be stacked for the next decade. There's just a lot of good AL teams out there. And Jack, I agree with you. I don't think we have the talent right now to do to even make a run in the playoffs. So I think going back to to Tui's original point, I don't know if it's possible for the Sox to acquire Soto, or I I think it's possible, but for them to acquire Soto, they'd have to give so much major league talent. Like, I mean, they're asking for Luis, they're asking for Vaughn, that you're yeah. going to be almost in such a it bad would deplete, position. It would deplete our point. lineup. You know who that we turn into? Hard. We turn into the Angels. And right. I don't want to turn into the Angels. Right. So I, I don't know if that's a uh, – I don't – while it's while it's great to talk about, and if you could do it and you're trading mainly minor league prospects for it, great. But the it sounds like the Nationals want upper minor leaguers and young controllable talent. So I Did think you that's, see Otani? There were Otani rumors out there. <laughs> if, if the Sox got Otani, then we're doing – us four are doing an emergency podcast if we get Otani. So I, I think the best way for the Sox – like, I agree with the point that the Sox, as currently constructed, probably aren't built to win a World Series. With that being said, baseball is one of those fickle sports where the best team in baseball doesn't necessarily win. The hottest team in baseball wins. Right. Do you Rays, think Rays Rodon, were 15-50 If we had Rodon right now, that would be the answer. You know what kills me about and I I I would love to get Rodon and Jack. I think that would be that's like the perfect fit for the White Sox. But you know what kills me? We could have got those two guys this offseason for cash. Right. And now we have to give something up to get them back and correct a mistake. It's terrible. It, it, and this is it's, it's the endless cycle of we told them we were told the Machado money would be spent. We well, were we told the Harper money would players, be spent. And if you're telling me that we spent it on Josh Harrison, Lurie Garcia, <laughs> Keiko, Joe Kelly, and Dallas Keiko, yeah. damn it, we did. Hey, don't bash JoJo. Then, don't bash JoJo. Then you lied. You lied to me. I'm gonna throw another accounting term on you guys. This is too. Oh annoying. boy misappropriation of assets rick is not an accountant <laughs> clearly i so let's we, we got more to talk about in the hot stove mush i'm passing to you what's your trade how are you gonna get better well i know i tickled the cubs out there a little bit or the flubs sorry um i do like i like luis castillo he's very appealing and they have a guy Drury. Is Drury on that? <laughs> I thought you wanted India. Not India. Uh, I, I mean, throw in India Drury's just for the hell a, of Drury's it. a better option. But I like that Alexis Diaz kid too. 
as long as we go NL, I just if we're going to trade NL teams, there's guys out there. I, I like those guys. Yeah, I mean, who are we giving up? Um, I'm a big fan of moving crochet. Um, I think we're going to have to get rid of your boy Sosa. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's people out there that are hungry for our first round pick this year. I think, I think really diving into some of his specs in, uh, his analytics with comparisons to Randy Johnson and Chris Sale. I think people realize that they missed out and I think he's going to be a hot commodity going into this trade deadline. That's a great point. I don't hate that at all. I mean, I would not be against trading our first round pick. I think that's that it's very uncommon for that to happen. I think Dansby Swanson was part of one of those deals. Yep. I forget who the pitcher was. He was like had one phenomenal year and the Braves. He came from the Diamondbacks. Was it, it was game, wasn't it? Was it I think it was Patrick no, Corbin. It was, no, it might have been Corbin. Those guys. It wasn't. Corbin it wasn't, or Gr- it wasn't Corbin or, and it wasn't Gallen because Gallen was, was from jail. No, that Granky might be it because he no, was a first round pick for the Diamondbacks. No, 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 no. I, I'm positive it wasn't any of those guys. Schwabi's looking it up. He'll he'll pull it. But I love that idea because that I mean, we you take a high school pitcher that's a big risk. And what was it, Schwabi? Shelby Miller. Shelby Miller. Yeah, I knew uh, it. it was some no name guy. Yes. Yeah, Shelby. He had a. He, I think it was with the Cardinals. Yeah. No. What? He's he been passed around. No, no it, was it wasn't the Braves. The, the Braves. The Braves. The Braves. On yeah. December 9, Braves 2015, the Braves, the D-backs traded Swanson in Carte, yeah, yeah, Aaron D-backs. Blair to the Braves in exchange for Shelby Miller and Gabe Spear. So they kind of did what we we're talking about, but although Dansby was the first pick overall, I think. Yes. First. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, number that's one out of Andy. You're not. You don't trade the first pick overall for Shelby Miller, but. I I like what you're saying, Mush. I'm not gonna lie. That that's that's trade capital out there that a lot of White Sox fans have not considered. And and I think I think we got lucky getting him at that point in time in the draft. But I also think by the time that he's ready, our window will be over. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just gonna say that. I mean, this is the time, right? I mean, we've rebuilt for this time, so I think you have to get aggressive. You have to. I mean, this is when's the time to get aggressive? We have it's the same thing. We got sixty games left. What are you resting guys for? It's what the do same. You, what do you think we can get for Frank Manichino? Manichino, <laughs> get him out of my sight. The concept of getting aggressive at the trade deadline plays perfectly into the appeal of Juan Soto. The guy has two and a half years of control left, which means three pennant races. If the Sox window is now, which it is, why not get aggressive? And I I never said we had to pay him when I said we should trade for him. I mean, ideally, that's what you do because you want to control the guy from now until he's 32 years old at the end of his prime. But if you get him till 26, that's not a bad deal. And when we look at contracts and we look at our window – we got Robert for the next five years. We got Vaughn for the next three years under control. Cease and Kopech for three. Sorry, Vaughn is four. Cease and Kopech for three. Hendricks for two. Anderson, Graveman, Kelly for two. So if you look at that window, you, here's who you're leaving out. Sheets, Burger, Zavala, Jimenez, 
Bummer, Crochet, Mendick, Foster, Mankata, Maguire, Ruiz, Ruiz, Lambert, Lynn. Okay. So I like that. You you got your core there for the next three years. After that, you're gonna have to pay a lot of these guys. And so I don't know how much you can keep the core together. Why not trade some major league talent, aka Eloy Jimenez, Jake Berger, Gavin Sheets, Garrett Crochet. Mancada. Mancada could be an option. Giolito, like you mentioned earlier, Fireman in the Sun. He's got a year and a half of control left. And I think what the Nationals are going to look for in return is prospect depth, but also, also major league talent that's ready that is under control for a few years at not in an outrageous cost. So you you put guys like Jimenez, Mancada, Crochet, Sheets in a trade for Soto, and then you throw on some of your maybe not top two or top three, but you throw in Vera, Julio uh, Rodriguez, or not Julio Rodriguez, Jose Rodriguez, who's a shortstop. Um, you throw in Lennon Sosa. You throw in, you know, Jared Kelly. You throw in our number one pick from this year, Peyton Pite, or uh, Schultz. No, Schultz. You know what? And then you take on the, the contract to Patrick Corbin. You could probably get something done. Would I give up all those guys? No, but I'd give up a subset of them. And then you got... Juan Soto, the best left-hitting power hitter, corner outfielder in the league, which fits all of our needs, and you go make a run at a World Series. If we get one World Series out of this window, I'll be happy. That's all. If you want to, maybe we end up like the Cubs are now in 2028, 2029, I want a World Series. All right, so what's being reported is the Padres have offered the Nationals C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, Adrian Morjan, uh, outfielder Robert Hassel, who's the number 23 prospect in all of baseball, and Joshua Mears, who's the number 8 prospect on the Padres system. So five players for Soto is what's being reported. Are they taking on a contract? No. This would be Soto. I think they get the bats for those from there. So you give up, you give up Eloy Crochet. Crochet. Mancada. I don't think you give up Mancada. I think it's no, Giolito, Crochet, Giolito. Your no, I don't even think you need to Vera, do that. It's no, Jose so Rodriguez. Look, so there's a there's a website that this guy created. Uh, it's it's baseball trade values basically, and it gives each player a dollar trade value. And I was playing around with it today on on Soto deals. And if you take so Juan Soto has a value of like 176 million, Patrick Corbin has a value of negative 51. So, so Rizzo came out this week though and said they're not going to attach a contract to the Soto deal I saw that. and get back works prospect. And you, you guys are we got to remember who our owner is. Yeah, but I'm not seeing. I'm not even saying pay him. I'm saying trade well, for him. Well, I'm saying with and, the Corbin piece of it. Because if you if you bring on Corbin, then you're totally handcuffed next year. In that's my true. Opinion, right? Okay, that's a fair point. So I mean, you're gonna have to give up seven or eight players. I think three are major leaguers, 
five are minor leaguers. But in any trade that I do, I wouldn't give up Coastal Montgomery. And that may be a breaking point for the yeah. Nationals, in which case then you really got to decide, are you going to roll the dice on the next three years, including this one? So this one and the next two, or do you want to sustain mediocrity for the next eight? And I think the Nationals an int- like... Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think it's an interesting question. I think the Sox have more to offer than the Padres if, if that's the deal that they just that Zach just read off. Because C.J. Abrams, I think, is... I don't think he's anything worthwhile. Mackenzie Gore is good, but I see Schultz and Crochet comboed in a deal with Eloy, maybe another bat, like Jack said. I think that's that's a much more value to the Nats than it is for, for uh, than that San Diego deal. Look, the so only I, people I agree with Jack. The only people you don't touch the, the untouchables in the White Sox organization are Robert, Cease, Vaughn, Kopech. Abreu, Montgomery, Tim. And honestly, I put brackets around Tim Anderson because I, you're down on I Tim. I put bracket. No, I'm not down on Tim, but wouldn't a team like the Nationals like to acquire a superstar in a trade for a superstar who's under yeah. contract for $12.5 million next year? No, yeah, I mean, the, I the problem, you, you the problem with. Yeah, the problem with including Tim in a trade is who's going to fill shortstop until until Colson Montgomery is ready. Jack, you know that answer, Lurie Garcia. No, it's Carlos Correa in the offseason. That's who it is. <laughs> I think Colson Montgomery is very similar to Trey Turner, and I think that the Nats are going to want him in a deal if that's even yeah, possible. I think, you're, I think you're right. I would say Rizzo... Rizzo picks up the phone from Han. He says, don't talk to me unless you have, you start, here's your starting point. It's Aloy, it's Crochet, and Colson Montgomery. Otherwise, I'm not picking up the phone. Oh, I think it's, I think it's, if you don't have Andy, Colson, or Luis, one of those three has to be in the deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and you know what? I, then that's why I say, I give, boom, hang up, and then we move it on. Right? So that's I where mean, our window comes back into play. And if you want to win in the next three years, it's going to be with Tim Anderson. So here, I, he, I will give here, up because no, I'll give I'll give up Colson. I'll give him up, and I'll get a Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, with three pennant lace races left under control. And I like that idea because I feel I think that bringing in Soto protects. Luis Roberts bat too. And I think that those guys batting next to each other would be better than Aaron Judge. Unbelievable. And, and then you throw Andy Vaughn in there and TA. I mean, come on. And you just shop defense. And then and then Abreu at five? I don't want to turn into the Angels. I just I don't want to turn into the Angels. You guys all know how I feel about the Angels. Why why don't we just we'll bring back Joe too to be the bench coach? I, mean, I don't want not three paying, studs. I don't not want you got Juan Soto. The problem you're not with the White Sox Juan is Soto. the the problem with the White Sox is that Rick Hahn didn't make this roster dummy proof. And what do you think is going to happen if we got Juan Soto? What do you think Tony is going to do? Tony is going to run. He he'll be running out lineups with Leary batting third and Soto batting second. Can you imagine Leary? 
behind Soto and the pitches that Soto would see. The, Too much thinking the, going the on. The only there. way he that Soto on. is let's, a bad baseball player on this planet is if he gets traded to the White Sox because Tony will be batting Leary Garcia behind him. I, I, I just, for the sake of Juan Soto, can we just not have him be traded to the White Sox? No, I mean. <laughs> I mean, your top right, we six. gotta move on. We gotta move on from one. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go to my. Uh, I got. I wrote this down. I usually don't do this, but I wrote down my moves for today for the hot stove. So here's my trades. I'm starting with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Give me my guy. Give him to me. I'm not talking about O'Neill Cruz, Schwabi. Right. David Bednar. Not my guy. Brian Reynolds. Number one. Well, that deal's done. And then Bednar. So I it's want not my guy. It's not Jose. Love it. Uh, yeah. See, I Schwabi. I know. I know you want Q back. I don't want Q back. I love Q though. Here's who I'm giving up: Reynolds and Bednar. You guys, this is a big return for those two guys, and I'll explain my reasoning. I'm giving up Aloy. Aloy has one more year left on his contract than Reynolds. I'm giving up Crochet. Crochet is a potential starter. Bednar has about four or five years of control left. So he would be a reliever in the White Sox bullpen for the foreseeable future. But Crochet has a lot bigger future than him as a starter. And I'm giving up Cespedes. And then I'm giving up Jose Rodriguez for Reynolds and Bednar. And the reason I'm doing this deal is because I want to... It goes back to roster construction, which we've talked about, and Rick completely failing. Aloy, first off, can't stay on the field, so I don't know how much trade value that has. And I don't know if Pittsburgh does that, but Pittsburgh's been ripped off in the past. But Reynolds can play the outfield, and he's a left-handed bat. And one thing that we know is the White Sox cannot hit right-handed pitching. So I want Reynolds in there. And we'll have him for an additional three or four years. And then Bennar solidifies the bullpen a little bit. You gotta give up Crochet, who's the key to the deal, in my opinion. And you gotta get up Cespedes, who could break out. What do you guys feel about that deal? So Crochet, Rodriguez, Cespedes, and Aloy. Jimenez. Yeah. Right, I'll let you guys get you know give your thoughts i'm gonna look it up on this baseball trade values and i'll come what back does bednar have on his contract i know he's, he's 27 he's got, he's got like, like four years of yeah he's control, got a ton of control so but I, honestly nikki i don't think that is enough so alloy and crochet and suspect you don't think is enough i mean who, let me get who, back let you guys I'd like to hear Schwab's and Mush's thoughts. but So he, here's my thought on that. I think Crochet is the key to that deal because Bednar, you could look up history on this and relievers, a guy like Bednar, the guy is he most likely will not be good for the next couple of years. He's 27 currently. Yeah, but, I mean, how many relievers are have a consistent run? No, but I'm just saying he's a guy who, who peaked late, right? He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't a, a major leaguer at 20. He's a guy who, you know, he came up late. He's club controlled through 2020, 2026 is their last year ARP. 
Uh, it'd be and Reynolds has, agent Reynolds has two years left on his contract. I think he's got more than two. He's got so four. Yeah, he's got four. Four plus so, this year. So according to baseball trade values, which basically monitors every trade and assigns a value, so it's based on historical actuals to a, uh, a sense, White Sox would get $106 million in value, and the Pirates would get $42 million in value in that in that. So that's scenario. a lopsided deal for the Pirates. The, the White Sox. Oh, right, right, White yeah. Sox so are... they, the, you would say that's a good deal. Yeah, the Pirates so would do Brian Reynolds, No, no, no. Not Brian so. Reynolds' million va- like dollar value is 77. So it's allocated based on value? They assign a value amount to every player. Oh, so you're saying the the Pirates would not do that? Correct. By a long shot. To get to get Reynolds, we'd have to give up a lot to get What what's Crochet's value in there? 15.8, Bednar is a 28.7. Yeah, so to me like I you could run it through all your simulations you want, but if the Pirates said if you're doing a straight up deal, Bednar versus Crochet, what do you say? I mean, that's Crochet's a no-brainer. Old. Yeah, no, I, I, do, I say no because. Well, no, I'm been, saying like no way you give up crochet. Crochet is ten times better than Bednar. Uh, no, I take Bednar over. You would crochet take Bednar over Crochet. So all right, he's got maybe four years left on his deal, and he is Crochet. So does Crochet. Crochet has the. the Crochet's also twenty three years old, and he's going to be ben, a starter. To me, Bednar starts sounds like uh, Ray, uh, Ronaldo Lopez. So and, maybe and make, maybe we start there. Crochet versus if. If we wanted to get Bednar, would you, Schwabi, would you give up Crochet for Bednar? Oh, God. that I think that is one of those things where you I want to know, as an organization, what the Sox believe Garrett Crochet's long-term future is. See, like, to me, I would never do that. I would never give Crochet up for Bednar. I, I, that's my initial reaction, right? I, I would think Crochet has more value. But it comes down to if the Sox view Garrett Crochet – as a guy who's going to be in the pen the rest of his career, then I think that trade makes more sense. Because Bednar is available this year. He has a very cheap deal, as is Garrett Rocher. But you're going to trade for that guy who you, you know is who you know is available and producing in the bullpen. If you view Garrett Rocher as a potential top three starter, you don't make that deal. To me, Crochet, Crochet, Bednar, Eloy, and Brian Reynolds straight up, like eye for an eye. I mean, I don't know if it's because we're biased because we're, we're Sox fans, but talent-wise, I feel like we're giving up more than we're getting. I know that's that well, I mean, that was my initial feeling until Jack ran the, the math on it. I mean, which I think Crochet is way too low, to be honest. So, all right, take that out. Replace Colas. With I agree Seth with you Pettis. that I agree with you that that crochet is too low. That that I will agree with you on. Okay, so say you throw in a Colas, right? Which I hate to do, but to get Reynolds, I would do it. And you take who out? And or I just take Seth Seth out. And then here's what I would do after that. I would I would take Joey Gallo off the Yankees' hands for cash. I like this deal. For cash. I I. I think Joey Gallo is a is a good option for the Sox. I would take him in a heartbeat because that would send Gavin Sheets to the minors, and we'd have somebody who could actually catch the baseball. 
I don't care. I would just Get, deal those guys though. Joey Gallo, <laughs> Joey Gallo couldn't be more of a better fit for the White Sox because he'll catch the baseball and his OPS would slot right in the middle of the lineup. No, I mean, like, so Tyler Naquin was just dealt to the Mets. I think the outf- and Ben Attendee was dealt to the Yankees yesterday. So the outfield options for the Sox are limited. I think David Peralta is one of them. I think Joey Gallo is one of them. So, all right, so Gallo for cash. And then my last moves here are Matt Moore from the Rays. We need another lefty arm. Rangers. Maybe, I'm sorry, <laughs> Matt Moore, they're... From the Rays in 2015, maybe. DFA, Leary, firing squad with Tui, bring up Yolbert. I'm going to DFA Ruiz as well and bring him up with I don't care. I, I want 20% turnover on the team tomorrow. If I'm Rakan, if I'm Rakan and 20% of the team is not turned over, what have we done? What, what have we done? We've done nothing this year, and we're 49 and 49. So something needs to happen. I, I'm t- I'm tired of just nothing happening. I don't know, gentlemen. What do you think? I think Gallo makes a lot of sense in right field. I think he's a guy who has struggled. I think he's struggled even more being in New York. Um, so I I do like I do like bringing over Joey Gallo. Um, Matt Moore is a guy who I have mentioned on other episodes. So I think he's a left-handed arm with, with, the, with the unknown of Aaron Bummer. I think a left-handed arm is very valuable. I think there's a handful of left-handed arms you can possibly get. Uh, Andrew Chafin is just one example. The Sheriff. The Sheriff. Yeah, so, I mean, I think guy. there's a handful of left-handed arms where I think you're going to try to find where, they're the most, where that deal makes the most value sense. Um, but I do like Joey Gallo. All right, let's get pickled. Mush, I'm starting with you. What do you, what do you got? This is a very hard topic. You know, I was very concerned with my choices here. I did a lot of reading and research, but I relied back oh, to my taste buds. He puts on the glasses. I relied back to my taste buds here. So I'm going to handle this the way Tony handles his roster construction here. We're going to wing this one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you my top three (laughs) Buffalo wings in the Chicagoland area. Um, That's bone in, ladies and gentlemen. No forks needed. Bone in. Get your hands dirty. Um, Number three, I'm coming in at good old faithful Donald Wicker Park on division, the 50-50. A nice, meaty, tender inside, a little crisp on the outside. Uh, Number two, going to go with the Bird's Nest down in Southport and DePaul campus. Um, I believe that is also a Packer bar, but that's just a bonus. Um, big style, big style wings, big knots, uh, a lot of meats. And then uh, number one, which is a no-brainer for you guys, uh, it's going to be Buff Joe's in Evanston. Little yeah. Merck's cheddar all in your face. You <laughs> go with a double-double or uh, go with a triple-triple man-up. That's three orders of wings and three orders of waffle fries with Merck's. And if you get the balls, you could uh, take down three jumbo rcs as well that triple triple that's pretty good rankings what do you guys think i've never heard of 50 50 i'm gonna have to try it (laughs) uh broken barrel outstanding and then there's a brewery in like west loop i forget the name of it but they have outstanding wings. you gotta find out what it's called 
<laughs> it sounds like I got some places to give, go this weekend. Give me one second. Schwab, what do you got? I'm I'm looking forward to, to trying some of these places out. I mean, Buff Joe's is the obvious number one. That was my gr- my girlfriend is moving to Evanston oh, for well. business school, so I'm gonna have great access to Buff Joe's. Dude, do you know what you could do with a lot of merch cheddar in your hands? <laughs> um, you know who has good wings is EPI. I I love EPI's wings, but. Anyway, that was well done, Mush. That was good at ranking. So Jack's, Jack has uh, a Let's Go Pickle that he wanted to share. What do you got, my man? All right, so I'm going to keep this short. My girlfriend may be upset because she was giving me tips on how to tell the story last night. But <laughs> basically, I met my current girlfriend at, of 10 months on Hinge. She had something on her profile about being a Sox fan, so our first date was a Sox game. We're sitting in the seats, and the split-the-pot guy is walking up the aisle. I try to wave him down. He goes, hold on, give me a second. I got to serve. I gotta get to someone first. My girlfriend turns to me, and she goes, people actually buy those things? <laughs> and, I go, and I go, yeah, you know, I just look at it as my donation to charity. <laughs> you know, you maybe one day right I'll win. Though, the white well, I've been, I've been buying them for nine years now, and I never won. Uh <laughs> So the ticket goes into my pocket, and my girl, the date I was on was so enthralling that I forgot to check what the winning number was. So a week later is the day of our third date. I'm sitting on a meeting, cleaning out my wallet, and I find the ticket, and I'm like, you know what? I might as well just check this online um, before I throw it away. I check the number. I'm not... I'm unmuted on the meeting. I read it three or four times. I'm like, I I, I say out loud, holy fuck, I think I won. (laughs) (laughs) And and someone on the meeting goes, sorry, what was that? And I was like, sorry, I got to (laughs) go. Dropped the meeting and I was like, uh, I I was at my parents' house for the day and I go, holy shit, I won at the top of my lungs. My mom runs up the stairs and she goes, what's wrong? I was like, I just want to split the pot. There's not a goddamn thing wrong. So I ended up winning five grand (laughs) on a Wednesday night game against the Pirates. So you didn't, you didn't get the the enjoyment of getting the win at the game though. You, you got it the next day. I did not. But the funny thing was I tried to call my now girlfriend and she was training for the Chicago marathon at the time. So she was on a run. So she hey, she she's looking down at her Apple Watch. She's got seven missed calls and like thirteen texts in all caps from this <laughs> dude. She's been on two dates on with two dates on, and she's like, "I may not be able to go tonight." When she called me, she obviously understood <laughs> that it was worth the all caps and the seven calls. But uh, <laughs> you know, we we got to ball out a little bit that night, and honestly. I don't know whether or not to buy Split the Pot anymore because I don't think I'll ever No, win. you got to keep going. I, I'm i not going to, you know, Jack, hey, I'm not going to jinx anything, but it hey, sounds four. like fate, my man. So, <laughs> well, well done, Jack. That was that was a great story. Schwabi, I'm going to move on to you. We're going to close this thing out. We got the preview for next week. We're going to look at matchups. We got this upcoming weekend against the A's. Take me through, Schwabi. What do you got? 
So I think one thing to note is with the A's current position in the standings, there's a chance that a lot of their pitchers could change uh, as they'll be looking to deal. They also swept the Strohs this past week, which is crazy. But anyway, what do you so got? So on Friday, you have uh, this name is, is a good one. James Keprilian yep. versus Lance Lynn. Uh, you know, solid solid arm there. Uh, definitely a start that if Lance if Lance can repeat what he's done his last outing out, you're looking good. Uh, Saturday, you get Paul Blackburn, the A's one all-star, versus Johnny Cueto. I was hoping Blackburn would be against these. And you close the series out with Adam Aller. Oh, we're going to bomb Dylan Cease. All right. I mean, we we got a sweep. We got a sweep. There's no doubt about it. It sets up nicely. It's it's a get right game for every one of our starting pitchers. So we take care of the A's this weekend. We try to get we, we got to get closer than three games back. I we we talked about it a little bit last week. We were three games back. We're three games back now. We got to make up some ground. The urgency is now. We got what sixty games left. There's not enough time left here to be resting players. We, we got to take next, what's in front of us. Our next five series, we play teams below 500. We got to make a play. So starting on starting on Tuesday with Colorado, our next 19 games were against teams below 500. And I'm not talking like one or two or three games below 500. I'm talking significantly below 500. Right. Bottom if we don't bear. go 15 and four, 14 and five in this stretch, this is what we've waited for all season. Jake Jay Kuda had a had a tweet the other day that listed the amount of games that each team has played against significantly bad teams, and I say that in quotes. And the White Sox were at zero games played. So the second half of our schedule is gonna have a lot of easy games, but we haven't been able to go on a run yet, and if we don't do it in these next 17 now or one and one the time is now gentlemen we gotta when we catch up this time next week we gotta be closer than three games we gotta be at least two you make up a game a week and we're gonna win the division by five games and i've said that consistently i think that's still what's gonna happen i don't trust the twins pitching i don't trust the guardians hitting the white Sox have more talent across the board we're going to turn these things around. We it, we had the worst loss of the year yesterday, but we got to we got to have some PMA. We got to be optimistic. We're going to sweep the A's. We're going to go into the stretch where we should dominate. We are going to dominate. We'll catch you next time. See ya.